Hi, welcome to New Hope Community Church Online. The sermon you are about to hear was originally given by Pastor Chuck Wilson. New Hope Community Church, to know, to live, and to share Jesus Christ. The title for today is Behind Every Great Man is a Woman. <laughs> I know the ladies are going to like this one. Uh, Joshua fifteen thirteen to 19. Now, we have a very kind of a fairy tale story. You know how the, the typical fairy tale goes. The guy kills a dragon or something heroic and he wins the hands of a princess, right? We find this very story here today. Only it's not a fairy tale. It's a true story. But the real story behind this heroic venture that we're going to read about might just be the princess, as we'll see. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for the worship. We thank you for bringing us each here. We know we're here for a reason. We pray that, that your mercy and grace would break through and your word would touch our hearts. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Okay, let's pick it up with verse 13. Joshua 15. In accordance with the Lord's command to him, Joshua gave to Caleb, son of Jephunneh, a portion in Judith, Kiriath Arba, that is Hebron. Arba was the forefather of Anak. From Hebron, Caleb drove out the three Anakites, Sheshai, Ahiman, and Talmai, descendants of Anak. If you were here the last couple weeks, you know this whole story. If you weren't Go listen, because this is really building on that. Verse 15, From there he marched against the people living in Debir, formerly called Kiriath Sefer. And Caleb said, I will give my daughter Aksah in marriage to the man who attacks and captures Kiriath Sefer. Othniel, son of Kenaz, Caleb's brother, took it. So Caleb gave his daughter Aksah to him in marriage. Now Othniel... Othniel, which is Caleb's nephew, is introduced here for the first time, and quite a guy, quite a guy. He accepts his uncle's challenge, Uncle Caleb's challenge. Tough Caleb didn't want just any old wimp marrying his daughter, right? You know, we've been studying this guy. He was a tough guy. Didn't want anybody, any wimp for a son-in-law, so he, he probably knew uh, that Othniel and Axa are in love, but he wanted to test his character first, he has a test of character first. I know they're cousins. That's not against the Mosaic law to marry your cousin. In fact, I was looking it up. I know it's against the law, and I'm not arguing against the law here in the U.S., but it wasn't against the Mosaic law. But I looked it up, and it turns out even cousins marrying here in the United States, that the odds of, of increase in problems are, like, minuscule. So it's really, there's a reason why it wasn't in the Mosaic law. It's really a very, 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 very small risk to marry your cousin. Othniel... Uh, passes the test. Let's get back to Othniel here. Othniel passes the test. What a guy. This guy is a hero in Israel. In fact, after Joshua died, he was the next ruler. Did you know that? Anybody realize that? He was the next ruler. Uh, after Joshua dies, the Israelites became unfaithful. They started worshiping idols and doing all this stuff, and God disciplined them. He sent countries to attack them and discipline them, just like today. Now, we talked about this many times. And the people finally had enough, and they repented. They turned back to God, and God raised up a judge, a deliverer. In fact, in Judges, in Judges chapter 3, we see the very first judge, in verse chapter 3, verse 7, 
The Israelites did evil in the eyes of the Lord. They forgot the Lord their God and served the Baals and Asherahs. The anger of the Lord burned against Israel so that he sold them into the hands of Cushan Rishathaim, king of Aram Naharim, to whom the Israelites were subject for eight years. But when they cried out to the Lord, he raised up from them a deliverer, Othniel, son of Kenaz, Caleb's younger brother, who saved them. The spirit of the Lord came upon him so that he became Israel's judge and went to war. The Lord gave Cushan Rishathaim, king of Aram, into the hands of Othniel, who overpowered him. So the land had peace for 40 years until Othniel, son of Kenaz, died. He was the first judge in Israel. He followed Caleb in, in ruling Israel. First judge, and then there were many, well, that's a whole other story. They'd sin, God sent another judge. They sinned, they sent another judge. They, you know, the whole, you know, sin, discipline, calling out to God. God delivers them. Can you believe that? That's stupid. We would never, once we've learned our lesson, we never do it again, right? Well, we won't go there. Anyway, uh, so... But I believe, so Othniel, this great guy, but I believe there's a reason for him becoming a great man. His wife, Aksa, which is why I entitled it, Behind Every Great Man is a Woman. And I'll say a great woman. We are looking at the Israelites receiving their inheritance. We saw Caleb last week, right? And that the lessons for us, because they're taking a physical land, we take a spiritual land. They claim their Physical promises, we claim our spiritual promises. This is all about our spiritual life. Joshua is a picture of Jesus. One's Hebrew, one's Greek. It's the same exact name. This is all a spiritual picture of our spiritual battles and, and, our, and our, the spiritual fights that we have to claim. And very important, last week we talked about claiming our inheritance and having the faith to claim our inheritance. And we saw Caleb last week doing that, and we looked at many lessons for us. Once again, listen if you didn't, weren't here for that. But ladies, you are not left out of claiming your inheritance. You can claim your spiritual inheritance too, as we see that Aksa shows us and teaches us. In fact, in 1 Peter 3 7, in 1 Peter 3 7, always connect the dots. Husbands, in the same way, be considerate as you live with your wives and treat them with respect as the weaker partner and as heirs with you of the gracious gift of life, so that nothing will hinder your. Prayers. The ladies are heirs with us of the gracious gift of life. The same gift of life that any man has, any woman can claim to, the same exact, same exact gift. Now notice that Peter also mentions that women are physically weaker, so don't bully them. Men, husbands, right? Don't bully them. Uh, he, he, calls, he calls them uh, the, the weaker, but he's not talking about weaker spiritually. He's talking about weaker physically, and also the idea is delicate. The idea behind this meaning is delicate. Think of China. How do you treat, how do you handle the China in your house? You have plastic, you know, you have plastic cups or, you know, these plastic plates, but if you get out the China, you're very careful because why? It's valuable. It's valuable, more fragile and more valuable, and that's what our wives are. That's what the women in our lives are, uh, is, is they're, they're weaker in a physical sense, but that makes them more valuable and delicate, and we have to be very, very careful. In fact, uh, we're told to love and respect the ladies in our life, love and respect them. There's this whole Me Too movement going on, I'm sure you've 
heard of it. Uh, and all of a sudden, Hollywood wakes up to the fact that women are being abused, that they have been abusing women. You know, all of a sudden, Hollywood realized, oh, we've been abusing women. What a shock, right? Hey, Hollywood and the rest of the world, welcome to the first century. Welcome to the first century, right? Because biblical Christianity has never condoned abusing women. And God has always held men responsible for how they treat women. Always. That's biblical Christianity, okay? Also, back to Aksa. Aksa is considered a great woman in God's sight. Uh, this is, there's, she's in here for a reason. This story's in here for a reason. This is a lesson for all women, for all generations. Uh, she's considered a great woman in, in his sight, but she is very different. We're going to see she's very different from the world's women. The, when I say women, the women that the world honors. There's this, rec- this recently we had the International Women's Day recently. It was a follow-up to the Women's March. Now, I want to say this about the Women's Lib- Liberation Movement. Originally, the Women's Liberation Movement was very honorable and very necessary. In fact, one of the key starting points from it was the prohibition. Did you know that? The prohibition was one of the key starting points for the women's liberation movement. Alcohol was devastating women and children, just devastating them. There was a huge drinking problem in this country at one time. We can't relate to that, can we? But, uh, but, and, that, and that's why women, the whole prohibition, everybody attacks the prohibition, that was a women's lib movement. It was started by women. You look at the video pictures and all that. There's women carrying signs. It's all because they were being so abused by men who were, had drinking problems. And it was, it was a big, big problem. Uh, also, many other honorable people in that movement. Susan B. Anthony. Some of you have her coin, right? Uh, the Susan B. Anthony was, was, a, was a real important person. But you know, one of her main things that she fought about, fought for, was the right to not, not have an abortion. But you didn't know that, did you? Because the media doesn't talk about that. Uh, in fact, Ken Burns did a documentary on Susan B. Anthony, and he inadvertently left out the fact that one of her main fights was to stop abortion. I call it a fake humanitarian. Because, uh, you know, and they asked Ken Burns, Ken, why wouldn't you put in Susan B. Anthony fighting against abortion? That was one of the main things she did. He goes, I just didn't think it was relevant. And I want to say, Ken, why did you put slavery in the Civil War documentary? You know, you did that wonderful Civil War document. Why didn't, you, why didn't you leave slavery out of it? Because that wasn't relevant. That's how, that's how, that's, to leave out her battle against abortion is like leaving slavery out of a Civil War documentary. It's just crazy. But, but they, Susan and Anthony had to fight this because so many men were pressuring their wives and girlfriends to have abortions back in her day because they didn't want to take responsibility for the children. Can you believe that would happen? So over time, this, I think, a very honorable movement, a needed movement, the women's liberation was hijacked by radical feminism. Radical feminism. Now their cornerstone, the non-negotiable, if you talk to anybody who's really into this movement, the non-negotiable is abortion. The right for abortion. No longer protecting babies, but the right to kill their babies. In fact, the march for, the women's march that was not too long ago, did you see who they banned? Pro-life women were banned from that march. They weren't allowed to be part, they were not allowed to be part of that march. They're, and now, it turns out, if you've been following any of the news, well, 
if you dig deep enough in the news, their radical leaders have been exposed. The women who organized this march, their radical leaders have been exposed, and it turns out many of them are connected to anti-women movements, and they're, and they're con- closely connected to groups that oppress women. Connect the dots. If you need any help, I'll send you some news sites. It, it's shocking. And I'm going to say this. No spiritually mature woman would have anything to do with this movement. It's anti-Christ. It's anti-Christ. Radical feminism is not about the liberation, but putting women in bondage. Only Jesus Christ can truly set women free and men free and all of us free. It's sad, and this is what's sad for me. So many in this movement are, are delusional. They're distorted. And you know why most of them? They've been damaged. They've been damaged. They've been hurt by men. Hurt by men that should have loved them and protected these girls, these women, as the Bible commands. That's why so many are hurt. And we have to somehow break through that hurt and that, 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 that wounding and, and help them find the love of Jesus Christ. Because only Jesus Christ truly liberates women and elevates them to their true position that God intended for women. He intended them to be princesses, like Aksa. Princesses. This women's liberation movement has taken them down. They should be up here as princesses. That's how they're to be treated. Only, and, and I'll say this to ladies. Only Jesus Christ can heal your wounded heart. Only he can do it of anything. There's an insert in the bulletin there. I put this in periodically, and I just happened to put it in this week. It's about uh, healing for uh, post-abortive healing. And how even if you've been part of an abortion, and I know many, many people have shared with me, we don't judge anybody. It's all about God's mercy and grace. God, even if we come under, under conviction, whether a woman or a man been involved in that, we can come to God and get our healing and get our forgiveness. And I, there's a number to call in that bulletin for, for you to talk to someone, even be part of, part of a group. God can heal anyone. But first, there has to be the conviction and the repentance, and then God can heal but God can heal us of anything. Jesus can heal us of anything. Back to Aksa. Let's look at Aksa, God's idea of a great woman. God's idea. Godly women. Biblically godly women who may be ignored by this world. You will not be honored by the International Women's Day. But, but you will be honored by God with eternal honors. Like Aksa. The first thing that jumps out at us about Aksa, which we already read... Well, she trusted God. She trusted God. What did she do? Her dad sets out this challenge, and she says, Dad, I'm not going to marry anybody who goes to that city. No. no, she trusted God. She trusted her dad's choice for her husband. She trusted it. And, and she trusted her dad's test of character. She trusted that. The Ten Commandments. One of the key Ten Commandments, the only one with a promise, was what? Honor your father and your mother. I'm your father and your mother. This is an act of submission to her father, which showed her faith in God's command, in God's word, in God. And it's not easy to submit a lot of times, is it? For any of us. It's not easy to submit for her. Think about it. What if someone else beats off? You know, she's probably already got this mad crush on him. Everybody knows it. Uh, you know, that's why he went and did this. But what if someone else beats off Neil to it? Or what if he gets himself killed? Right? Or, but she trusted God and she trusted God's choice because how was that choice exposed? By the first one to take this city. 
Othniel taking the city. So she trusted God. But she also, something else I want to bring out here in, in uh, Joshua 15. In Joshua 15, the next couple of verses after that, verse 18 and 19. One day, after, she, after he wins her hand, one day when she came to Othniel, she urged him to ask her father for a field. When she got off her donkey, Caleb asked her, what can I do for you? She replied, do me a special favor. Since you have given me land in the Negev, give me also springs of water. So Caleb gave her the upper and lower springs. Not only did she trust God, but she thirsted for her inheritance. She thirsted for her inheritance. Axel was given an inheritance. She was giving land. And this is a picture of us spiritually. Same idea. We, we are given a spiritual inheritance. But she realized she needed more. She realized that she needed water too. And water was very valuable. Still is. If you go over to Israel, a lot of places, even here, it's valuable, right? But water was very, very valuable. To have land with water was the whole key to having enough water. So she knows we need more water. So she says, uh, Othniel, my little lion. Because uh, Othniel means lion of God. You know, so that was probably her pet name. I'm just guessing, right? But, uh, it's not in the Hebrew or anything, but anyway. Othniel, uh, uh, my little lion, go ask my daddy for additional land with water. All right? Now, it doesn't put his answer in here. Notice that? He doesn't say anything. Why? Because God didn't want to record the fight that happened, but you can know what probably happened. He probably said, I'm not going to ask your dad for anything. Your dad is scary. You talk about a scary father-in-law? Some of you have scary father-in-laws? I don't. Oh, anyway. Uh, <laughs> He's probably, I'm not going to ask your dad for anything. He's a scary father-in-law. He's probably going to make me do something dangerous, go kill a giant or something to get this water. I'm not going to do anything. And Exa gets a point, and it's probably a good one. It's probably better if the request comes from Caleb's little princess, right? Right? Any dads out there know what I'm talking about? I mean, if my kids want a swimming pool, which they don't, or if they wanted a hot tub, which they do, I'm not going to go ask Kim's dad. I'm going to say, Kim, you go ask him. You know, I'm not going to ask, right? So Axa gets the point. Even though she said, Othniel, go do it. Look what happens. She did it. So you know what happened in between there. So Axa gets on her donkey. And if you know anything about uh, the history here, donkeys were rid- only ridden by royalty. This is a royal ride. You know, you've been following the whole princess story over in England right now. This is like, this is probably a present from her dad. It's like riding a Porsche or something into, you know, go see dad. This is a, a fancy ride in, in the Bible. And she asked for a special favor. A special favor. Literally, it says, give me a blessing. And what is that blessing? Springs of water. She asked for springs of water. And her father, Caleb, granted her request. He granted the request. He gave her springs of water. And the result is she was blessed. Because she asked for this, because she asked for more. More of an inheritance. And hang on to this because we're going to connect the dots a little bit later. She was blessed. Her husband was blessed. Her children was, were blessed. Future generations were blessed because of her. And a couple things really jump out at us here. The first one is for the ladies. You are important to God. God has given you a life-changing purpose for your life. And he wants to use you to bless many other 
people, whether you're a wife and mother, whether you're a spiritual mother to people, you know, whether you're a, whether you're just blessing to people that you know, how, whatever place God has put you in her life, you can bring life to many people. You can be a spiritual blessing. I think of my life. Not so great, man, but I got a great woman behind me, right? You know, I just think of my wife, Kim, and, and the, the difference. Where would I be without Kim? Where would I be? What would this church be without Kim? She does most of the work. Where would I be? Where would we be without her blessing, this church? Um, and I know many, many godly women, same thing. I, I just see in my own family, my kids recognize it. In fact, I was talking to jo- my son Joshua not too long ago. He's in college, and, and he was, he somehow, he's very honest with me. He's like, Dad, you know, you know, I think the only person I really care about, if we were talking about death, and you can guess why with our family, and, and he's like, the only person I really get upset about dying is probably mom. <laughs> I said, Th- thanks, Josh. You just, <laughs> this is a hallmark moment for us right now. <laughs> I'm glad I made such an impression on you. Goes, well, no, Dad, don't get me wrong. I'd, I'd be sad for a day or two, but... but <laughs> Thank you again. But if mom died, I'd really be sad for a long time. Right, so, so. But I have other kids. <laughs> the baby's still my, I'm still the baby's favorite, as you can see. Yeah. In fact, when Kim ever gets, you know, you know, when she's getting too much of that from someone, I'll walk up with the baby and say, here, go to mom. And the baby will grab a hold of me. I'll go, oh, that's okay. <laughs> so, but, but, but if I'm not around, then she does it with Kim. But, you know, she's very attached to us, as you know. But it's true, though. God, God has used Kim to bless. And even a lot of the kids recognize what a blessing Kim is to them, you know. I'm reminded that many times. Ladies, you are important. You can be a, such a blessing. Parents. Pass on your spiritual blessing. Pass on your spiritual blessing. Caleb passed on this land and water, but how did he get it? Tooth and nail. He fought tooth and nail for every speck of dirt that he had and every drop of water that he had. He, you missed it. You weren't here the last couple weeks. Go listen. Caleb had to battle giants for it. He had to battle for it. And he had to battle for them too. And he had raised a daughter, Aksa, who had a thirst for her full inheritance. We've got a battle. But we, we have to battle for our kids. And, and it's hard, isn't it? Our kids are constantly being pulled by the world and, and hit by the culture. We have to battle for our kids. And it doesn't end when they grow up, does it? We have to keep on battling for our kid because, kids because the culture and the world want to swallow them up. I remember reading a story it's a while ago now. It's probably about 25 years ago. I remember, and I haven't forgotten it, there was a story that happened in Brazil. There was a father who was a fisherman in the Brazil, and he was on one of the rivers. It might even have been the Amazon, but he's out in the jungles of, of, of the Amazon in Brazil. And I'll, I'll never forget it. It was an unbelievable story. He's out there fishing, and he has his little son with him. They're fishing on the river. And he goes and he says, I'm going to wait, wait right here. I'm going to go get something out of the, the fishing shed. They had this little shack built there where they were getting stuff. And he's out in the middle of the jungle. He goes in and, all, and he's in there. And all of a sudden he hears a little boy screaming. 
And he comes out and there was a giant snake, a python, had a hold of his son. He had all gripped him and he was wrapping him up. And the dad came out and started hitting it with a stick. This, this snake was huge, just monster snake. He thought it was 30 feet. Who knows how long it was. The point was, the dad thought it was 30, but the point was it was giant. And he, he hits, he couldn't get it stopped. He goes running in, he comes back out with this rusty old musket that he had, that he, that he used for sometimes. And he was going to try to fight it, but it was too late. The snake had already crushed his son and killed him. And was already swallowing him. And he, and I'll never forget what the dad said. He goes, here he was, he was crushing my son and taking my son and swallowing my son. And there was nothing I could do. Have you ever felt that way? You better believe I have. I see this happening everywhere. I see it happening here. I see it happening all over the country. The, 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 our, our, our youth are, are being swallowed. They're being attacked. And we've got a battle for them. It's a, and it's an unpopular battle, isn't it? And they don't even like it. Most of the time. But we've got a battle for our kids. Because they're being brainwashed by the world out there. I saw it this week. This whole walking out of school thing. Just one current example. Now listen, I'm all for protecting our kids. You know that. And I've got some very strong opinions how I think we should do it. Right? Uh, I, I'm all for protecting our kids. And nobody was more upset seeing these 17 kids killed. That was brutal. It made me sad and it made me mad. And I know why. It's a spiritual battle. We know it's a spiritual battle. So I'm all for protecting our kids, but I also know who's really behind this walking out of school thing, and it's not the kids. Connect the dots. It's not hard to track down who's really doing this whole thing. No, this, the, the group that started this whole movement, the groups that started this whole movement to walk out of school over these 17 kids are the same groups. I've tracked them down and, and know their beliefs. They're the same groups that think it's okay to murder millions of kids. These students that walked out are lucky to even be there because one out of three of them were already killed. Not 17. One out of three were killed. They didn't even make it out of the hospital. But the majority, and this is what the crazy thing, this is what I'm talking about, the majority of these same students who walked out that are protesting the shooting of the 17 kids, which I'm, I'm upset, is more upset than anybody, but the majority of those kids support abortion. What's more devastating? 17 or 1 million? How about if we walk out over 1 million and 17? Then you got my ear. But these, 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 they've been brainwashed. They've been brainwashed. That it's okay to kill millions, but don't, you know, shoot somebody. We have to battle for our kids because they're being swallowed by the world, by the delusions, by the lies. God calls us to raise transformers, not conformers. And it's a battle. It's a battle. And Caleb fought that battle, and that's why he had Exa. He fought that battle. The final key. I know we've talked about some hard things today, but the final key I want to end with is a vital lesson from Axa, not only for the ladies, but for all of us, and that's her thirst for water. She thirsted for water. She asked her asking her father for water. Let's connect the dots. Someone else, someone just came in this morning and already did it, already jumped ahead on my sermon here. Let's connect the dots to our Joshua, to the New Testament, 
and to our lives. In John 4, 13 and 14, Jesus says something that just jumps out at us. Now remember, water in the Old Testament is a picture of the life we can have spiritually. Listen to what Jesus says in John 4, 13. Jesus answered, Everyone who drinks this water will be thirsty again. But whoever drinks the water I give him will never thirst. Indeed, the water I give him will become in him a spring of water welling up to eternal life. The Old Testament water is a picture of the new life we can have in Jesus Christ. In John 6, a couple chapters ahead, in John 6, 35, listen to what Jesus says. Connect these dots. Verse 35, then Jesus declared, I am the bread of life. He who comes to me will never go hungry, and he who believes in me will never be thirsty. Whoever believes in me will never be thirsty. Verse 40, for my Father's will is that everyone who looks to the Son and believes in him shall have eternal life, and I will raise him up at the last day. By faith in Jesus Christ, in his death on that cross for us, when he died on the cross in our place, when he came back from the dead three days later, he proved he was the Son of God, that he did die on that cross for our sin. When we put our faith in him, we believe in him, we put our faith and trust in him, the moment we do that, we get life. The life-giving water. The Holy Spirit comes within us. Have you ever received that gift? Have you ever claimed your water? Have you ever received the gift of life through Jesus Christ? A brand new life. And if you have, as Christians, it doesn't stop with just one drink. We don't just drink one cup of water. We, we receive the Holy Spirit. It, it, no, it, we, have to, we have to be filled daily. We receive the Holy Spirit at salvation. We get that brand new life, but the drinking shouldn't stop there. We now need the Holy Spirit's power. We now need the Holy Spirit's power to live this new life. We need the Holy Spirit's filling on a continuous daily basis. In fact, in Ephesians 5, 18 to 20, I'm going to end with this one. I hope you memorize it and hang on to it. It says, do not get drunk on wine, which leads to debauchery. Instead, be filled with the Spirit. Speak to one another with psalms and hymns and spiritual songs. Sing and make music in your heart to the Lord, always giving thanks to God the Father for everything in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. We, what are we drinking? Are we drunk on the world's wine? On the world's influence? Or are we being filled with the Holy Spirit? With a word that's transforming us and keeping us from being conformed? With worship, with prayer, with fellowship? Are we being transformed and being filled with the real water. Are we hungry for that water? Let's pray. And as we go to this time of prayer, as always, we have a prayer team that is up front. If anybody needs prayer, extra prayer, someone to pray with, during this time or during the worship or after the service, you can come up. There's always prayer people up in the corners if you need someone to pray with at any time. How was God speaking to us this morning? How is he speaking to us?
Are we asking for our full spiritual blessing? Are we thirsting for God? There's one prayer that God always answers yes to. You know, when we pray, God, sometimes it's yes, sometimes it's no, sometimes it's wait a while. But there's one prayer that God always answers yes immediately. Give me water. Fill me with your Holy Spirit. Let me experience my full inheritance. What's filling? What's, what are we full of today? Are we full of the world? Are we conformed to the world? Is there sin that's blocking the spirit that needs to be surrendered? Is there some unbiblical mindset that we've bought into that needs to be changed? When was the last time we said, God, please fill me with your spirit? And we immersed ourselves in the word and worship and prayer and fellowship. And all of a sudden, it was just like, wow. We could hear God speaking to us through his word. We could sense his spirit moving through the worship. We could feel his love and, and that love which is pouring out of us into other people. Like we saw last yesterday. A beautiful example of it at the, the St. Baldrick's event. The love of God through so many people there. It's beautiful. Have you received the Holy Spirit yet? As we're praying during this time, have you received the Holy Spirit? Have you ever put your faith in Jesus Christ and received the living water that we saw there in John 4 and John 6? John 3.16 tells us how to receive it. For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son that whoever believes in him shall not perish but have eternal life. Have you ever believed in Jesus? You can do that right now. Some of you may already be doing that in your hearts right now. The simple prayer of faith. Jesus, I believe in you. I put my faith in you. I give my life to you. I don't want the world anymore. I don't want the sin anymore. I don't want the garbage anymore. I repent of that. ask you to forgive me. I'm putting my faith in you, Jesus.
if you have taken that step of faith, if you've prayed that prayer of faith, if you've given your life to Jesus and something amazing has happened, you're in for the shock of your life. The Holy Spirit is now living inside of you. You can now draw on the water of God anytime, anywhere for anything. Your life will never be the same. I want to encourage you to tell somebody, maybe you're here with a friend or family member, maybe you tell me on the way out or fill out the card or email, text, whatever, to connect with me or someone so that we can be excited for you and encourage you and help you grow in your new life in Christ, help you find your full potential. Father, we pray for each person here that we would know the full life the full blessings that you've promised us, that you want us to have, that we saw Aksaw claim and live. Lord, we pray that everyone here would know our full blessing and the full life, the real life in Jesus Christ. We pray that in Jesus' name, amen.